Podcasting worldwide from a studio inside global headquarters of RP Enterprises in Kansas City. Kansas City. Hey, gang. Ladies and gentlemen, Papa's home. This is the Papa Ron Podcast. File transfer in progress. With Ronnie Phillips and Jillian Gray. Showtime. All right, episode 33 of the Papa Ron Podcast. And again, brought to you by our friendly folks at Brown Piercy Cattle Company. And now I got to find the copy. I got started here and I wasn't ready. There it is. For years, they've been breeding registered Angus cattle for generations with one thought in mind, quality beef for consumers. The goal is to deliver prime-graded beef directly to customers' homes more affordably than you can purchase at the store. Better beef, conveniently delivered at a lower price than the grocery store. Find them online at brownpiercycattle.com. And we are so excited. I'm super goober excited. Is everything okay? I know you are. We're good. Super goober excited because I'm a super goober sports fan to have in studio... Former Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, Trent Green. Yeah. So excited. Yeah. Let's go. I am pumped about this and maybe just a little bit nervous as well. (laughs) No need to be nervous. uh, I'm not not like a big intimidating guy. You're not. Well, you're a big guy. You're not intimidating. You look kind of like a wuss. But scary. um, scary. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, so uh, to get started here, uh, Trent Green, uh, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, you didn't raise yeah. your right hand, doggone yeah, it. Definitely, so I guess definitely, I'll raise both hands. Yeah, All right, so the first question, number 10 or number 12? Oh, 10. 10. Yeah, I was, I was you were 12. You were 12 for your entire life. Yeah, I was 12, uh, let's see, actually, my I didn't start playing football, tackle football until seventh grade. Uh, my really? first year playing, I was the starting left tackle and, uh, and starting, uh, free what? safety. What, wow. a, what a combination there, right? It's like, uh, oh my gosh. yeah. So, uh, and then I switched over, uh, my, uh, towards the end of that year, the guy got hurt. I moved over long story short, ended up 12 the next year. So I was 12, eighth grade, all through high school, all through college, and then I get to the NFL, and uh, I was drafted by the Chargers, and the starting quarterback was number 12. Ah. Okay. Uh, I wanted number 10, and, and the punter was number 10. I was oh, like, shoot. okay, what's, what's left? And Chargers are like, how about number seven? I was like, okay. So <laughs> I was seven for a year, and then I get to uh, – I was out of football for a year. Um, went to Canada for a couple weeks, that whole thing. And then uh, actually in Canada, I was number 10. Really? And then when I got to uh, – when I got to um, now, they're the Washington Commanders. Yep. Uh, seven was Theismann's number, that, so, so nobody's like, wearing you, that. They're like, you can't have that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody right. was using twelves. Gus Farratt, mm-hmm. uh was using twelve, and I was like, well, I was ten up in Canada, so right. maybe I just go. And then from yeah, there on, then. from there on, and you wore ten in St. Louis too. I was ten in St. Louis. Here, here's the funny thing about that. So. Uh, when I get to St. Louis and, and talking with Martz and Coach Vermeil and that whole deal, um, I said, well, I'd really like number 10 because I've been that for a while. Well, Kurt Warner was number 10 the previous year. Oh. And they're like, oh, that's not going to be a problem. You're going to be number 10. And Kurt's told this story. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a conversation with him. The team didn't have a conversation with him. Yeah. Uh, he was the third quarterback and hadn't played a whole lot. They're just right. like, yeah, you got number 10. Don't it's worry fine. about it. Yeah. So then I get to the locker room and I go, Kurt, I had no idea that you were number 10 and he's which, like, which is a little bit of a, like, isn't that a little bit of a, like, did they just took it? Yeah. They, well, I mean, I, I mean did, like, I didn't, I didn't yeah, know. Right. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry about it. I wanted number 13. <laughs> 
and Steve Bono, I think, was had maybe been there or finished his career. Oh, so somebody had oh, the number thirteen. Okay. So I remember he could, Steve wearing thirteen. He here. wanted the number thirteen, and, and so when it. everything kind of shuffled around, uh, he ended up getting. Th- he's like, no, no, I want thirteen. I'm good with that. You can have ten, and I'm like. You know, um, you know, I thought maybe I'd have to buy him dinner or something. He's like, no, 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 you know, don't. <laughs> All of this over a jersey I know, number. I know. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So, yeah. That's, crazy. Well, and that's why I went to him. I was like, I want to, you know, just let you know I didn't like right. steal it from you. They said I could have it. So, yeah. Yeah. That is a crazy story. Um, are you superstitious at all? Like is the no. 10, any of that now? No. no. But there are a lot no, of players in the league that oh, are. Oh, there are. Oh, no. It's, there's been a lot of big money past How much money are we talking Oh, there's, there's what's some, the biggest number you've heard for that kind of transaction? Well, it's different now because the money now compared to what it was when I played is significantly okay. different. So, so, so back when you played, back when I played, I mean, there was there were guys fifty, fifty to seventy five thousand dollars. Wow, to get to get someone to change. So if there oh, is some wow. way that I could buy real estate in the NFL <laughs> jersey numbers, I could yeah. make a fortune I mean, that's, pretty that's quick. That's how super, I mean, some of the guys, I mean, there were, there were some guys like, hey, I don't want money. Um, you know, I'll take a new, a new car. I'll take a new, oh, uh, wow. you know, ATV or I'll take a new, you know, uh, jet ski or something. I mean, it's just like there was huh. a lot of transact <laughs> bartering going on. That's crazy. Um, and it didn't happen all the time. Don't sure. get me wrong. It, it, yeah. it, you know, it generally was that big big money free agent guy that yeah. came in, gotcha. you know, now the salaries are, you know, it, it, it's crazy. Oh no, it's uh, ridiculous it's crazy now. So I, I can't even imagine what guys are doing for, number, sure. for numbers. Speaking, sure. speaking of which, and we're going to get into, there's so much we can cover with you and I, and how much time do we have with you? About an hour? I, yeah. And in, in that round, around okay. That time, All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try to pack it in as quickly as we can. Tell um, yourself, this is what I do. Cause I'm always late for things. Tell yourself 45 minutes. Oh, okay. Right? I don't know that I can cover everything that I want to talk about in 45 minutes. You can't in an hour, though, either. So, anyway. Sometimes these podcasts go three hours, Trent. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. You'll have to let me know how the last two hours go. (laughs) Yeah. Roger Goodell. Yeah. That guy I heard just is is up for a contract renewal. Correct. And he's going to make, what was it that I heard? Like Patrick Mahomes' money, like half a billion dollars. And his oh, you mean oh, over the yes, over the course of yes, his career as, yes. as the commissioner. That is ridiculous, isn't it? Uh I think the other way. I think okay. you know, so he's his bosses are the thirty-two owners. The amount of money that he's made those thirty-two bosses, mm. he deserves mm. every penny he can get. I mean, if you look at okay, when he took over, enough. when he took over for Paul Tagliabue, yeah, and uh, and I have a lot of respect for what Paul Tagliabue did because he took over for Pete Rozelle and the way the league was transformed, and and I had multiple conversations when early in my career, um, where Paul Tagliabue would come to meetings, and I always made a point of introducing myself, even though I was like the the scrub at the bottom of the roster. <laughs> uh, I always made a point of introducing, and just because I wanted to have those conversations with those types of guys because mm-hmm. i didn't know where my career was going if i was sure. going to play football if i was going in the business or whatever it was so when uh when roger took over uh the values of the teams compared to what the values of the teams are now uh the tv contracts now the amount of money uh so when i hear people argue you know tagliabue is getting paid too much and, and i think it's probably around that 50 million a year range uh are we talking what, about tagliabue or I'm, no I'm, or, I'm sorry i'm talking about goodell, goodell yeah. yeah so yeah. goodell you know, his last contract was reported to be around 50 million a year. And I would imagine this next extension, maybe even more. 
even to the point where I think a lot of his contracts from what I've heard are similar to like players. There's incentives in there. There's sure. different things in there. Makes sense. I think he, you know, the NFL is a multi-billion dollar business. So I think he gets security for he and his family, um, use of a private play. You know, there's, there's things that are written into it that would be fitting of a guy that's CEO of a billion dollar, mm-hmm. billion dollar business. Does he so, get, um, mm-hmm. NFL players get a pension after they've stopped playing, right? Yes, if you if you're in once you get vested, there's mm-hmm. a certain number. Of, it used to be when I was in, you had to be three years and then like six games. So three years and six games would say give you like four years of credit. Now I think it's just two years and a few games. So I mean, it's, and how long you can achieve that quick? Where I'm ultimately going with this question is, will he at some point when he retires have some sort of pension? That is, is it for the duration of his life or is it go on for multi-generations? And how does that look for former players? I would imagine that he's going to have something like that. I, w- I would imagine. I have I have no idea. I would imagine he's got health care written in there. I would mm-hmm. imagine, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things like that. How does it look mm-hmm. for someone like yourself, a former player? So right now, the way the collective bargain agreement is set up as former players, if you're vested, you get four years of health care uh, and then then you're on your own. Mm. Um, which when, even when I was the scrub at the bottom of the roster and not making nearly what the, everybody else was making, I always thought that was an important thing. I was was like, at some point in time, we're going to have to pay for insurance. And and now that I do have to pay for it, I realize how how messed up our healthcare system is. Right. And and the amount of money it, it, you know, especially for us as a family of five, um, you know, covering all that, the dental, you know, and it's, uh, it's crazy to say. So, I think at some point in time that will eventually get changed for the players. Um, I would think it would have been done sooner based on the contracts now and what's going on. But, uh, you know, that's ultimately, you know, the veteran players are at the mercy of the current players, how they want to structure things and how they want to, mm. you know. And I always knew the the arguments I always got in those meetings was, well, I want my money. If, yeah. if you mean I got to give up some of my money to take it. And I'm like, no, no, but those guys before us – are the reason why we're making what we are today. Sure. So we need to set that up. And I, I believe me, I got, I got shot down all the time. They're like, listen, you're lucky to even be in this room. So it, unless you, listen. Unless you, you listen. want to get kicked out of the room. No, yeah. it's yeah. uh so yeah, it, it could be better from a healthcare standpoint. Um, okay. There is, there is a 401k that they put, there's an annuity, there's an annuity uh, because what was happening a lot of times when, when, you know, I'm now I'm going back to the early nineties, and uh, when that first collective bargaining agreement after Reggie White and a number of guys mm-hmm. wanted free agency and how that, you know, 92, 93 is when the salary cap started. Mm-hmm. Uh, my rookie class was the first year of the rookie salary cap. The 94 season was the first year of a salary cap. And, uh, you know, so I was I've kind of been on top of that for for a while. Um, you know, a lot of that has changed and how it's how it's kind of unfolded. And there were players that okay, we can't get our 401k till we're almost 60 years old. So what about that window of time, Right. you know, between when we're done playing it, you know, so that's when time. the annuity came in. That's what, you know, so they've added things over the years so that, uh, so that players, um, you know, some of the players and most of the players, I should say, end up having a second career after their careers are done because longevity is not a thing mm-hmm. in the NFL. I was I was blessed to pay, to play fifteen years and and uh, incredibly incredibly fortunate and blessed and and but a, a lot of guys don't. I mean, they're only playing two, three, four years, something like yeah. that. So yeah. uh, having the ability to have a second career or a third career, whatever that may be, 
uh, and and find some things. So so yeah, the the NFL has done a good job of layering different retirement things that guys can get. Uh, but you're still not. Um, it's not. If you're playing three, four years in the NFL, that's not going to sustain you for the rest for of your, your life. life. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just not. Unless you're Jamarcus Russell, you know, the quarterback for the Raiders that mm-hmm. made like $50 million and only played a couple years. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. unless, unless you're a, something like that. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, not, I'm not knocking Jamarcus. Or I'm just saying, you know, unless you get a big payday. Yeah. And you're only there for a yeah, few I mean, years. it really it, applies it, to any of those right. first overall picks, you know, that got huge salaries before they kind of restricted that, you right. know, how much you could pay a first or a, a number one overall pick. Right. They adjusted and it he, after. he kind of, was it him or? Um, Bradford. Bradford, that's who yeah. it was. It was shortly Sam, after Sam him. Sam Bradford, um, he was the last one. The next year was Cam Newton and the difference between contracts and salaries and the amount Bradford was able to make compared to, and, and Cam Newton made, Made plenty of money, but um, it, it was just yeah that whole that whole that apparently was part, not that enough. Was, He's still trying to get in there. That was part of the <laughs> next collective bargaining agreement. Was okay. We got to restructure because now you got these guys coming in the league that are making you know a ten year vet is making substantially less than a guy coming in that hasn't proved himself. So interesting. It's fun talking about that, especially as a sports geek. You know, typical sports fans don't get to see much about the business side. And I think yep. the media now, the ESPNs of the world, the Schefters and all of that who are reporting to Diana uh, Rossini, you know, they dive into the into the weeds a little right. bit more mm-hmm. with a little with that stuff. And so we know a little bit more been back when I was a kid. They don't you're just you're watching right. sports. Um, so it's fascinating for me to learn all about that. Well, I just, you know, and back to your original question, I th- I think Goodell I think he deserves it. I mean, yeah. what, what, well, I'm glad you brought some clarity the, the to amount, that. The, the amount of money that the owners make and, and, and in return, the players are making now, um, you know, basically now, you know, the top end quarterbacks are making, you know, mm-hmm. 45, 50 million a year. And if you're, you know, uh, my wife brought up the, the Jimmy Garoppolo contract, mm-hmm. uh, that he just signed with the Raiders. And I think it was like three years, 67 million something along those lines and she's like i can't believe he's gonna make you know 23 million i'm like yeah but that's like 25th or 20th in the league in terms of ranks of right stuff. i mean that's how that's how the the contracts and things have uh have gone now it's it's yeah it's crazy well, yeah, the, so. the way you broke that down too how many teams 32 right mm-hmm. so and he's 50 million goodell yeah so i mean that's less than two million a team right right so right i mean if you think about it he that's Probably what each owner is paying. Yeah, yeah. The own, yeah. I mean, really. Right. So that's crazy. Well, yes. I appreciate the insight because and the, va- and the values of those teams. Have, I mean, yeah. I mean, sure. I think every team in the league now is valued over a billion dollars, which was was definitely not the case. Mm-hmm. Mm. You sound like that you have uh, a pretty good relationship with Roger. Is that fair to say? You know, I have. Uh, when when I see him, we're friendly. We say hi. How's it going? How thing? You know that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, it really kind of started once again. As a current player, I would always, if the commissioner is around, let's like to me, it's like if the commissioner is around, you go introduce yourself and right. a face and name and that kind of thing. Um, fortunately, at that point in time, I was, I was a starter. Paul Tagliabue was like, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> I have no idea who this guy is that's coming up and talking to me. Roger Goodell, I was a starter and and, yeah. uh, and playing well. And, and so I think there was some back and forth. Well, then to take that relationship a step further, uh, when I had the concussion in 2006 with Kansas City, when mm-hmm. I had another concussion in 2007 with Miami, 
how that was all handled by the teams, the new collective bargain agreement that went into effect. I want to say that was like 2010 to 2012. I was out of the league by that time, so I don't mm -hmm. remember the dates exactly. Uh, when they went through that whole thing and how they were changing the concussion protocols, how teams were going to handle it, uh, how independent doctors were going to handle it, you know, all those things. I had multiple conversations uh, with Roger at that point in time, mm -hmm. how the Chiefs handled it. Uh, how they handled my health, how they handled the internally with the with the team doctors, how they handled it externally with the neurosurgeons, neurologists, and neuropsychologists. Mm. I have to make sure I get all three of those in. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I had those conversations with them uh, about how the Chiefs handled things, about how the Dolphins handled things, what the differences were, uh, the outside, um, I guess, opinions that I got. So we we had multiple conversations about that and whether or not that had an impact, but. The, a lot of the protocols now are what the Chiefs did. The Chiefs were way ahead of themselves. And I've, I've told Carl this face-to-face, -face, Carl Peterson. Mm -hmm. I've told him face-to-face. -to -face. I've told um, – I said, the way you guys handle it, uh, I can't thank you enough. Because the way the protocols were at the time in 2006, I passed all the NFL protocols within three weeks. Mm -hmm. I could have played within three weeks based on the protocols that were in place. Okay, They made me sit out eight weeks. I wasn't able to cut. And I was, as a competitor. You they know, made I, you sit out because it was the, the direction of the doctors. They because were taking of the, their, the neurosurgeon yeah. here, here in town. Um, and, and I thank him. I've, I've thanked him since. I said, you know, I was because I was mad at everybody. I was going to say at the time, though, in the moment, you're, a competitor, you're like, you're, I've passed everything, yes. let me play. Right? Yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah. Yes, I would like to say I stayed calm and collected, but I did not. <laughs> I was yelling at people weekly, you uh -huh. know. I mean, to the point where I was cleared to play, yet they weren't even letting me walk on a treadmill. They're like, we don't want you to get an accelerated heart rate. We don't want you to get, you know, we don't. Oh, wow. And I'm like. No, you don't understand. I'm coming back and playing at some point in time. I've got yeah. to get myself in shape. And they're like, yeah. well, not this week you're not. And it was just, oh. um, but now that we know more about it, mm -hmm. uh, we know more about concussions. We know more about multiple concussions. We know um, there's, there's just a lot more information. So at the time, you know, I was mad as a competitor, sure. but mm -hmm. now, I'm, now I'm thankful they handled it the way they did. So kind of two-part question because I want to get to Tua okay. and what he went through mm -hmm. this past season. But – you talked about we have so much more information as it regards the concussions. We kind of had to learn the hard way. Isn't that fair to say? Because it sounds like Roger was proactively trying to find a, um, a new protocol to protect these players. Right. Because I'm, and the first name that comes to mind is Junior Seau. Right. You know, I mean, it's pretty much known fact that because of all the concussions that he went through, he, it, it affected him so much mentally that he eventually took his own life. Right. Um, do you think that that is what sparked Roger to be more proactive, the league as a whole to be more proactive to find, okay, there's something to this concussion thing. We got to dive in a little deeper. Well, and it, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just junior there, you know, there's multiple players. Sure. I'm just, have, like I said, he's the first that. one yeah, that came yeah. to mind. Well, uh, he's the first one and he's the, you know, He's the biggest name. Biggest name, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, everybody knows Junior Say. I mean, I was a teammate with him. My rookie year, oh, yeah. 93 with the Chargers. Uh, big, big, huge personality. Yeah. Like, walked in the locker room. Here I was, an eighth-round pick, third-to-last pick. I was just happy to be there. Right. He came up, 
you know, gave me a handshake. Hey, welcome to the team. You know, I mean, I was like, this guy's on the cover of sports illustrated and he's Mr. Everything. He's all pro everything. And, uh, you know, he's taking the time to just come welcome me and just, um, you know, and he was always that way. His personality was bigger than life and and Mm. he brought energy to the room. And I never in my entire career, this is my rookie year. I, I never saw anyone practice any harder than junior Seau. And they would hold him out of practice because they knew he was going to practice like he played in the game. Mm. And I and, and that's a lot of why he was as good as he was right. and why he his longevity was there and, you know, the work ethic and all, and all the different things. But to your point, that, w- that was one of the many stories. Now, there's still so much unknown about the brain and about, uh, about concussions, about post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, uh, depression, anxiety, all mm-hmm. those things that, that go into concussions and are accelerated because of concussions and, and what goes on in the brain. So I got to be a little bit careful not to, not to speak out of turn here because literally every single day that information is changing. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned with my whole experience was, you know, the information we had at the time, that's why I was mad they weren't letting me come back and play. The right. information we have now, that's why I've gone around and thanked all those people yeah. on right. both organizations. Right. So they, saying, they kind of had, they had, sounds like they had doctors who were yes. not doing the norm and maybe were, maybe really did know more right. than the average. Well, and I think that's why there was such an issue with the league. There was, there was a group of doctors that were supposed to be all over it and, there was maybe some outside information that, yeah, you thought it was there, but it hadn't been proven yet. So you gotta, you know, from a from a lawyer or law standpoint, you gotta yeah. be careful how you how you handle. You know, it's there was a lot of uh, unknowns, mm-hmm. and there still are a lot sure. of unknowns about the brain. And so, uh, I think there's there's a number of different things that go into the the post concussion uh, issues, post career issues. I think. I don't want to speak about specifically about junior or any of the other players experiences. I've had a number of former teammates uh, that have had concussions and, and, you know, so for me in my career, people ask me this all the time, how many concussions do you have in your career? And I said, well, if you look at my medical file, which is probably like that thick <laughs> uh, in that entire thing, I've only two. Well, the reason I know I had two is because I was knocked unconscious twice. Yeah. So it's like those are right. automatically concussions. Now the way, you know, there's different grades of concussions. If yeah. You, yep. you know, you hit your head off the turf or you hit your head and all of a sudden you see stars and then you shake it off and like 10 seconds later, well, you know, we used to joke in the huddle about that. Be like, oh man, Avery, I got blown up on that yeah. one. I, you <laughs> know, yeah, it's, ring it, your bell. You know, now that's considered a concussion. So, you know, there are different levels, different numbers. Um, I don't want to put a number on how many I had, but I know there were plenty of times mm-hmm. where, you know, because the old AstroTurf, yeah. You know, you'd bounce your head Probably off Probably of even going back to college, I would imagine, yes. too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, there's a lot that goes into, uh, you know, the concussion part of it, the mental health part of it. Uh, when guys get done playing, yeah, there's a concussion part of it, but there's also that next, now you've got to do something different. you got to find another job. you got to, mm. so there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into it other than just the, the amount of hits. Yeah. How long did you have in between being done playing and then moving into the the television work. So I was fortunate. Uh, I probably handled it incorrectly <laughs> based on the amount of money that I was being paid at the time. So I got done. Uh, let's see. My last season was 2008. I decided in the spring of 2009 um, that I was done. 
my oldest was about to start high school. I had always, my wife and I were always, uh, Julie and I were in agreement that wherever we were when the boys, our oldest, uh, or when our son started high school, we were staying. We weren't yeah. going to like do the change to high school. Sure. Thing. Yeah. Mm. So, because we knew that was kind of a formative, um, you know, for lots of different reasons. And so, I decided in 2009, I had some opportunities to go other places and be that veteran backup. And I probably could have done that for another two, three years. Mm -hmm. We've always lived together, no matter where, you know, my wife and I and all of our kids. At at one point, it was just one and then it was two kids. You know, our first was born in Washington. Our second was born in St. Louis. Our third was born, uh, you know, in Kansas City. And and so we always moved together. That was an important part for us as a family. A lot of guys, there are many guys that do it differently. Their families stay in one spot. They go get a condo during the Mm -hmm. season. They kind of go back and forth. That just didn't work or wasn't going to work for us. So I didn't want to, that 2009, I didn't want to, okay, be the, and and move, move, move. And and so um, there were, there were multiple things. One, I didn't want to bounce around. Two, I'd finally got through the 2008 season healthy after having the concussion in 06, the concussion in 07, 08, I got through it healthy I was picking my own time to retire, which is a tough thing for any athlete. Right. If you get the opportunity to say I'm done, uh, not many people get that opportunity. So I was like, this is pretty cool. I get, mm-hmm. I get to decide. Um, so that was, that was part of it. Uh, the family part of it, yeah. you know? Um, so anyway, that, that's how, so to get to your question about broadcasting, I didn't hire an agent. I had had enough meetings and production meetings and had met different people over the years that I had all their different business cards. I had done some stuff with ESPN for the draft uh, while I was here in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I had done some stuff with CBS during our bye weeks, um, being on the NFL Today. Um, I had done some sideline reporting for NFL Network for the playoffs my last couple years. They'd Mm -hmm. bring in like former players or current players. Um, You'd done some pregame or uh, preseason stuff too locally, right? Well, that was after I. Oh, that was after. Was after? Okay. Yep. So, getting an idea, I was like, okay, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do studio stuff. I don't know if I want to do radio. I don't know if I want to do games. I didn't really know, so I just yeah. made a call to all these different people. Uh, so I signed with NFL Network to do studio stuff with their uh, Total Access. I uh, signed with Fox to do. They hired me to do six or seven games. Uh, I did that for a while. Ended up. Um, I didn't like traveling that much. I was gone a lot because during yeah. the week I do NFL Network. Down on the weekends I was going to do games, and my yeah. wife was like, "Wait a second! Wait, wait. I thought we were going to be together. Yeah. I, thought, I thought we were. Yeah. I thought we were retiring here." She's like, yeah. "You're gone more," which was true. I was, you, you know, were gone more than I would. I would take that 5 a.m. flight to to Dallas and then connect to L.A. Be there in time to do the show on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wow. Then some weeks I'd come home, and some weeks I'd go right from L.A. to wherever my game was for Fox. Do the game for Fox. Come home Sunday. You know, it was like. Yeah. It was, but I didn't know, I didn't, you know, I talked about the, the mental health part of it. I didn't know what that next transition was. I knew mm-hmm. I couldn't just do nothing. Right. Um, so I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, uh, after the first year, I, I didn't do games for Fox anymore. I just did NFL Network. Then it got to the point where it's like, okay, we're out in LA all the time. My wife's like, let's move to LA. I was like, well, I really don't want to raise a family in LA. <laughs> right. Nothing against LA. You know, people well, raise out there. Let's just be like, yeah, we get it. It's just, you know, yeah. that wasn't for us. Right. Uh, my right. wife and I are both Midwesterners. We raise our kids, you know, so yeah. um, I was like, okay. So at that, 
that that same time, Westwood One Radio was uh, the NFL was starting up Thursday night games yep. Yep. on a consistent basis. So Westwood One offered me the the Thursday night games, which that first season was only like six or seven games, and mm-hmm. then ten games, and then twelve games, and then you know it gradually worked up. So I dropped the NFL Network thing, went over to radio, and just did Thursday night games for for four seasons, uh, and then and then Dan Deardorff retired, and oh, and, and yeah. my. My play-by-play guy uh, all four years with Westwood One was Ian Eagle, uh, who's now, you know, one of the best in the business, was one of the best in we're the gonna business. Get, we're going to get to as, that because as, I personally feel like uh, Kevin Harlan should be the guy who replaces Jim Nance. I'm just saying, <laughs> you guys do such a great job yeah. together, you and Kevin. Yeah. And I and Kevin, my gosh, that call he did on uh, when FDU beat Purdue. Oh yes. Yeah. Are we seeing what we think we're seeing right now? I mean, yeah. he just he is incredible. I know Ian is great, but yes. I am a I'm a homer for Harlan. Yeah, and, and I've worked with Kevin for three years. So uh my my point of bringing up Ian was that that uh he kept telling CBS, hey, this guy's pretty good. Maybe you yeah. can get, you know, and I was like, I am I'm, I'm like my kids' ages, I'm good. I'm you know, yeah. I'm, my sons are playing on Friday nights in high school. Yeah. I don't wanna, you know, um and so anyway, Dan Deardorff ended up retiring from CBS and, and I was like, well, I'm telling him, I'm telling him. So they brought me in for an interview <laughs> and I said, well, this is what I've kind of got to juggle of, you know, I'm, you know, and so anyway, we've worked it out. I've, I've had nine great seasons at CBS. Wow. Um, it's crazy that it's already been nine years. Know. Isn't that crazy? So, so, so then 14 how- years in broadcasting, but nine years at CBS. So I had six years with Greg Gumbel and now the last three wow. with Kevin and I have nothing Nothing but great things to say about Ian, about Greg, about Kev. I mean, talk about pros, pros. These guys mm-hmm. have covered everything. I mean, mm-hmm. NBA, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Olympics. Like, yep. you know, Greg Gumbel, I mean, he covered Olympics. He covered everything. World yeah. Series. He's yeah. covered sure. Super Bowls. He's, you know, yeah. Kevin's done 20 plus, 25 plus Super Bowls for Westwood One. Yep. He's been wow. the voice of Westwood One football for, for a long time. Ian, you know, he's going to be the, the guy that moves into to Jim Nance's seat after this year's Final Four, mm-hmm. uh, get an opportunity. He's, yeah, so I I got no complaints about the people that uh, that That's I've amazing. had the opportunity to work with. Does, um, how do I ask this question? Sometimes I get to this point where I like, I want to ask a somewhat controversial question. I feel a little guilty asking <laughs> right, it. Right. You obviously have a great relationship with Kevin. I'm a Homer because I'm a Kansas city guy. Yes. Kevin's a Kansas city guy. Um, but he, Kevin is so good. Like you ever have personal conversations with Kevin that that was a spot that he's shooting for, or does he have his own vision on where he wants to go? Or do we just need to wait till you help us get Kevin on this podcast <laughs> to ask that, that question to him directly? You know, I, I, I haven't had those personal in-depth. I think Kevin is enjoying what Kevin's doing. He loves the fact, um, you know, I used to give, I give him a hard time. I give Ian a hard time. Um, They do so much, right? It's like, uh, so Kevin, Kevin will do our games. He'll do a, a, you know, when the NBA gets going, Mm -hmm. right? He'll do, he'll do an NBA game on Thursday then he goes home for a day Friday because those games are late. So mm-hmm. he'll go home Friday and then he's home for a day. And then Saturday he's got to fly to wherever our game is. Mm-hmm. Then he does our game on Sunday. If he can get out Sunday night, then he goes to wherever the Monday night game is. Cause he does. So on Thursday he's doing TNT mm. for the NBA mm-hmm. on TV. Wow. Then he does Sunday for us at CBS. Then on Monday he's doing the Monday night game for Westwood one. And those are always night games. So he doesn't get home till Tuesday. Then he's home a day. Wednesday, he's fine. You know, it's, wow. and, and 
but he loves I mean, he has such a passion. Oh, you for can it. tell when you and listen to him. He's so good at it. Oh, so good. And the amazing thing, and I've and I've shared this before, and he's I'm not like giving an inside secret. He doesn't use a spotter. So most play-by-play guys have a spotter that's mm-hmm. in there kind of pointing out right. names and numbers and, you know, kind of helping him, you know, oh, that tackle was by, oh, number 35, you know, Atkinson or whatever. Well, it's like sure. he doesn't use that. Hmm. So that makes it even more amazing that he's doing three games within about five days with different rosters, different sports. Um, he has this stat guy up there, um, which mm. which all the play by play guys do. But yeah. you know, it, it's phenomenal the work that he puts in, uh, and he just has an unbelievable pass. So, so to answer your question, I don't know. I think he's just appreciative of the opportunity of the opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the voice of the NBA. He he's on um, with the video game, the Y two NBA two K or whatever whatever oh, it's called uh-huh. now. So he's the voice on that. He does all the NBA stuff. He'll do that all the way through the playoffs. He'll do NCAA tournament. He's doing mm-hmm. that for CBS. They 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 use him some for that. Uh, the NFL, the Westwood one. Like I said, he's done twenty plus, twenty five plus, however many Super Bowls. Um, I don't. I I think he's just loving doing what he's sure. doing. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think. Just out of, I think I want that gig for him I, more than he wants that gig for well, him. And, and, I th- <laughs> and I think he's just, I think he's he's very similar in that he's just appreciative of the opportunity, appreciative of which work, is the right mindset, to appreciative have. of yeah. working. He's going to give it a hundred and ten percent, and all that energy we saw in the in the NCAA tournament mm. game with FDU, he gives all of that, whether it's five people listening or 55 million people listening mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl or so. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, um, that's who he is and how he prepares. And so I think he's just thankful for all of it. Sure. And uh, would he love to have those opportunities and, and do some of the other stuff? I'm, I'm sure he would. That would yeah. be, it'd be crazy to think that he wouldn't. Uh, but I think he, I think he's just in the moment and appreciative for, for everything that's, that uh, he's been able to do. And once again, I'm not trying to speak for him. That's sure. just what I, yeah. I, no, that's no, no, what that's what I would so how does uh, Ian get picked before Kevin? How do I mean? What is is there a hierarchy? Time spent with the company? I, how does that? Do you know? I I don't know how I don't know how that's done. I know Ian is the uh, he's the number two guy uh, for NFL. Kevin and I are, are the third crew. Uh, Ian and Charles Davis are the two crew, and then Nance and Romo are the one crew. Uh, when it comes to basketball, I know Nance has been the one guy, and mm-hmm. and Ian's been the been the two guy. Hmm. Uh, Kevin has been the three guy, and I think the main reason that Kevin's the three guy for college basketball is because he's got all these other commitments with the NBA. That's mm-hmm. my that's my no, guess. it makes total sense. That's just my guess, and and. By the way, Ian is incredibly good. No, he, I mean, he yeah. is. Yes, I, yes. I'm sorry if I'm. Yes. I don't want to speak disparagingly against yes. him. I just really. I'm love just saying. I, I don't know what goes into how they decide all that stuff. I Fair enough. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So um, I wanted to ask this to get back on the concussion stuff here for just a second. You talked about the mental health side. I guess it kind of parlays into the broadcasting stuff because mm-hmm. you mentioned how important it was for you to stay active and figure out what your career was going to be post football to keep yourself mentally healthy, right? Um, was that something that you learned from others, the hard, like through others who kind of experienced it the hard way that you saw the road that they went and they were in a bad spot and you're like, I don't want to go down that road. I really kind of need to be proactive and figure out what my transition looks like. Well, I, I think for me, a lot of it was, I just know my personality. I don't, 
I don't do well just sitting around, mm-hmm. right. you know, um, you know, we, with family vacations, uh, my wife is content getting a break and sitting on the beach and reading a book. <laughs> and I can do that for maybe 30 minutes. And then I'm like, Hey You're kids, you want to go build a sandcastle? Hey kids, you want to go out in the water? <laughs> yeah. Hey kids, you want to yeah, yeah, throw yeah. the football around? I get, you know, it's like, Hey, let's go on a bike. Oh wait, you're going on a bike. I want to go on a bike ride. It's like, you know, it's a, um, and I give her credit cause she helps me balance that side of it. Sometimes I'll, you know, I, have these big projects and all this stuff I want to do. And she's like, Hey, just, you know, chill out a second. <laughs> yeah. But Take she, a <laughs> she knew, uh, she knew that I needed to find something, whatever that was. So, uh-huh. um, so when I said, Hey, give me a couple years to figure this out, whether it's like I told you earlier, I was yeah. like, is it TV? Is it radio? Is it play by play? Is it in the booth? Is it, you know, in a studio? What is it that, uh, you know, that I'll transition into and, and have some, have some success and, and, be able to, to do it long-term for however long that may be. So, um, yeah, a lot of it was, was knowing that was it specifically cause I saw other players struggling with it or did you No, I knew, I knew, I knew. And, and that's why I've had, I've had these conversations with former teammates, especially within those first couple years when they're done, Hey, you need to find something. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're kind of, uh, from a professional football standpoint, you're used to schedules. You're used to, okay, uh, you know, in the old days before the, you know, now the CBA, they can't be at the facility. They can't, you know, there's certain times they can be in the building and can't be in the building. I I, I get that. That's That wasn't my world. It was, okay, February, I'm going to start showing up at the training facility and start start working out, start sure. getting ready for the next season. Yeah. Uh, and, and I kind of had my routine. Okay. This time of the year, this is where I'll be this time of the year. This will be okay. We hit a mini camp and OTA, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. I, you know, you know, your schedule. Well, when you're done, there is none of that. Right. You know, There's and no, that's not why as much not, structure. not that, not as much structure, not yeah. as much routine. And so I had those hard conversations with multiple teammates about finding that. And, and everybody's got to take that journey on their own. Right. You know, they've got to go. But not everybody that. can go get into broadcasting. Correct. Because there are only so many spots. If you figure how many guys yes. in any given season, that's their last season. Right. Well, there aren't that many spots to do the, whatever the next thing is. And, that, and that's why I'm appreciative of it. Yeah. And that's why, you know. You know, and like, again, I, I should have used an agent, but I didn't because I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to call you used all an these agent guys. through your entire professional football career. You didn't think that you needed one well, for because this? I didn't want to, I didn't want to get tied to a contract and oh. all of a sudden say, Hey, I don't like this. Cause you didn't know what you, what I didn't you, know what I want. That's I didn't, fair. I right. didn't know what, so I did it. And so then, did you ever get one? Oh no, I have one now. Oh, you have one now. Okay, okay, after, okay. Good. <laughs> so after the first year, I yeah. was like, "Oh, I need a contract." Cause, cause cause I don't want to read this contract. Well, what does this mean? I'm being woefully underpaid right, right. now. It's like, it's like, uh, right. So it's uh, yeah, I've had I've had an agent ever since. And uh, so was coaching something you ever thought you wanted to for do, a or long, no? Long time because you never mentioned that. You said I didn't know if I wanted to do radio or t-. like it seemed like broadcasting was well, at least the goal. So. Early in my career, as I said, um, you know, I was only with the Chargers one year, got cut in training camp the second year, was out of football, went to Canada for like three weeks, two weeks, um, then two two weeks not on the roster, two weeks on the roster, then I got cut there. I mean, it was this. So, and then when I was with Washington, I was the third 
my first year, second year, third year, went to camp my fourth year as the third, mm. and then ended up starting 14 games that year. So the first large chunk of my career, I was like, okay, um, I like football. I like, you know, I was the guy in the headsets. I was the guy signaling the plays in back when they didn't have the, the coach to quarterback, you know, headset. There was always signals that had to do it. So um, I enjoyed the game plan. I enjoyed all that stuff. So I was like, oh, this is this is what I'm going to do. And then when I played, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, really right. When I actually get to so, do it. So and then uh, and then as I as I said, uh, fortunate to play a long time, start a lot of games, mm-hmm. make some money, mm-hmm. and one of the things I've talked with Coach Vermeil about, talked with Al Saunders about it, talked with Mike Martz about it, talked with Norv Turner about it. I mean, all the different coaches that I've came uh, Cameron. I mean, all, all the guys I have a ton of respect for and was with for a long time. I know all the good stuff. I would say this to all of them. I know all the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I know this. You're in the you know the camaraderie of the locker room and the meeting yeah. rooms and the game day and all. You know, mm-hmm. I know all the good stuff. What's the one thing that you know that you don't like about the job? every single one of them said you miss a lot of family time because mm. there's, I mean, it's a huge commitment, right? It's a right. huge commitment, co- right. you know, and it's, uh, you know, uh, coach Vermeil coined the phrase, you know, burnout when he, mm. when he left the Philadelphia Eagles mm. and went into broadcasting because he was like, you know, he would just grind. He would be, he'd sleep at nights at the offices and, and some of that's changed and some of that hasn't changed in yeah. the NFL. Um, but I was like, okay, I was at the point where my kids were, I, I just didn't, there were certain things. So I w- Believe me, I, I as I've said, I was blessed to have the opportunity to jump into broadcasting because I knew it would let me scratch my football itch. Yep. But then give me the time to be the dad I wanted to be, the husband I wanted to be, and yeah. and all those kinds of things. So wow, I love that. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing you in other interviews talk about how being that guy on the sideline as the third string quarterback and having the headsets and even even being the person who. Uh, manufactured the signal calls to oh, help yeah. you I have retention. Up, I made up all the play. Yeah. That, hey, that's called job security. security yes, exactly. Yes, I made up the signal. Well, they can't all, get yeah. rid of me I because want, I know all the signals. And that's, what, that's what I learned. My first, after I got cut my first year, I was like, okay, I got to do. So I, I signed with Washington. I remember that, uh, you know, for, you know, I was the third, like I said, I was the third for four years until the, that fourth season. I was the guy, you know, and so by that point I was, let's see, I was 28 my fourth year, that would have been the 98 season. And I was still the guy in team meetings that would jump up and get the light switches. I was the guy, Hey, mm, you know, mm-hmm. I could tell you, uh, North Turner likes jalapeno bagels for mm-hmm. breakfast. <laughs> so I would get him jalapeno bagels at least one day a week. Right. Uh, guys are like, Trent, man, why are you jumping up and turning off the lights? You're like 27, 26, you know what? Yeah. I'm like, no, no. If I turn uh-huh. out there, they're not going to get rid of me because I'm the first one up there to turn the light. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. so I, you know. If the broadcasting fight, fight. thing doesn't work out, you'll be really good in outside sales because you just know how to butter everybody <laughs> up. Like, <laughs> man, you, you know, I was like, I'm going to get, I'm not going to give them any excuse because when the Chargers cut me and I had a tear jerk moment with Bobby Ross as he's cutting me, uh, you know, they had kind of laid the parameters of, of what they were looking for. And I checked all those boxes and I said, coach, I was the number one guy. Like, if you look at the off-season workouts, I, I was here more than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, the testing that you put us through, I rated out higher than anybody else, high, higher than junior that year, which was, wow. I couldn't believe I did. But um, so there was all these things. I'm like, how, you know, I did everything you did. Now you're cutting me. 
And and of course I'm like, Sub. yeah, I'm like an idiot, right? <laughs> and, and he's like, well, we're just we're just gonna try this different direction. We're gonna try, you know. And I'm just like, so when I was out of football, and I hate to say this, but I'm sitting there, and this was back before Directv and all that stuff. So I would go to a little sports bar in, in Bloomington, Indiana, because it's a lot cheaper living in Bloomington, Indiana, sure. than it was San Diego, California. Well, yeah, and had no job, and uh, so <laughs> my wife and we had just been married, so we moved back there. And I would go on Sundays to the sports bar just, you know, and I hate to say it, but you're you're like, okay, did somebody get hurt this weekend? Because then I'm going to call that team and say, hey, can oh, I come try right. out? Sure. Can I come right. get a uh, – and so it uh, – you know, you, you, as you're going through all that, you're like, okay, if I get back in the league, I'm going to give them no excuse to get rid of me. And so I would just, like, spend – you know, when, when Washington signed me, I would just be there all day in the offseason. I'd show up, and the strength coaches are like, you got to – you got to like take it. You got to like rest. You got to give it, take a break. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to be here every day. So, so we end up making a racquetball league, uh, in the, in the facility, <laughs> oh they had, they had racquetball courts. And I was like, well, I'm going to be here every day. So if you're not going to let me lift, we got to do something. So there was a half court basketball. <laughs> wow. Trent. So we started, we started a three on three so cool. basketball and then we started a racquetball league. And I was back like, back when they would let you play back basketball, when they let us do all that stuff. Yeah. And I was right. like, I'm like, well, I'm going to be here. So, and then I do that. And then I would go watch tape. Um, to try and, you know, just learn the offense as best I could. And, and back then, you know, it was all VHS tape. And uh, Norv Turner had this wall of tapes, and I've told this story, and Norv's heard this story, and, and so I'm not uh, revealing anything, you know, too bad here. But he had this wall of tapes because he was the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys when yep. they won the Super Bowls and Troy sure. Aikman and mm-hmm. Emmitt sure. Smith and Michael Irvin and on down the line. So I would wait until he would go home. And then I would go in his office and I would take like three or four tapes at a time for the different, you know, so if I wanted to look at, uh, you know, flank right motion, scat right, 364, a flat swing, there'd be a tape of all those with Troy Aikman and Jay Novacek and Daryl Johnston and Emmett, you know, and all those guys. Sorry. So I'd take the, you know, the scat 364, a flat look, the, uh, the 839, a flat swing, uh, the 844, you know, uh, Ricky, you know, I, I would take like three or four and I would go down to the video guys. I was like, okay. Norv's not here. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you guys some money. Right. I need you to put these three or four tapes onto one tape. Uh-huh. And then, and I did that over the course of the off season. And I went through his whole wall of, so I oh went through all the different concepts so I could watch it at home. Would that be frowned upon? Um, I mean, stealing we, from the head coach. Yeah, that would be frowned upon. Um, I mean, I guess but, it is stealing, but, but you're now, not, you're doing it with good intent. Yes. Right? But now, I mean, now everything's on iPads or right. computers yeah, or tablets or whatever, whatever yeah. they, so everything's in the air. So, you know, my kid, you know, fast forward to my boys being in college, I was like, how do you guys study tape? And they're like, Oh, it's just all downloaded in the cloud. And I just go to, um, you know, mm. and they'd sit there and they'd show me their tablets or, or laptops. And they'd be like, what do you want to watch? And I'd be like, Let's watch third and three inside the 20 uh, in the fourth quarter and see what the defense is. And they just go tap, 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 boop. Wow. And I'd be like, and wow. I'd be like, You're like that was expensive that was, for oh me. <laughs> I was like, you don't know how many hours that took for me yeah. to do that. You know? Time-consuming, uh, costly. So, so anyway, I would have all those videos at home. So then I'd watch tape at the facility. Then I would be able to watch tape at night. So I was like, those years in Washington, I was like, okay, I'm – I didn't want any reason for them to cut me. And if they yeah. cut me, it was just because I couldn't play. And I knew I could play. Sure. Yeah. It was just a matter of taking care of the mental and the physical and all that stuff and getting an opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys, and I've told this, there's a lot of guys that can play that never get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just what they're it's timing what they're gotta be at the right it's got, yeah. right place at the right time um, but i will say this based on what i'm hearing and is, you have to make the most of it when you get that, that well that's yeah. but yeah. hard work also pays off and i think that's the yeah. underlining message here that anybody who listens to this is that you know it could have just as easily not worked out for you but you right. put in the time you put in the work and you were blessed with that eventually at some point you just had and to I, be patient and persistent and i didn't want so when I got cut in San Diego and, and my wife and I, we decided to move back to, to Indiana. And at that point in time, I had, I had my degree in business. She had her degree in education. I said, listen, we can, we're married. I mean, we, we have to make this as a decision as a team. Yeah. Do we move on? Do you get it? She was a high school teacher. She was certified secondary education. I said, do you become a high school teacher and I become a salesman or marketing or mm-hmm. whatever it is in business world and we just move on and live our lives? She knew I wanted to keep trying to play. Sure. I knew I wanted to keep trying to play, but it was it was a group decision, sure. team decision. And we came to the conclusion, you know what? So you don't have that what if moment or I wish yeah. I would have or yeah. any of that. She's like, you know what? Try this season, try this officer this season and see if you can get into another camp. Um, and then if you give it another shot and you don't make it, at least you can say you gave it another. You, You've done you did all you, you could did, do. You did all you could do. Yeah. It just didn't work out. Like you said, the opportunity, the timing, whatever it may be. Sure. Um, so I just made sure there was there was nothing I didn't do. <laughs> Kudos to you, man. All, I, made, yeah. I, made, I made sure that... It could have uh, just as... I mean, you could have had a pity party. Yeah. And you didn't. I, and you were proactively... Well, believe me, there was. There was... Well, there I was, mean, everybody does, but yes. you also... You, yeah. It, you made... You, you turned it negative into a positive. Yes. Yes. So, um, and I don't know if I've ever told this publicly, but... Sweet. So, so when I got... Right here first I, on the Paparon podcast. When I, when I got cut in... Uh, uh, None of us saw it coming. My, my, my wife and I, we didn't see it coming. Um, my in-laws and my sister-in-law, my wife's younger sister, they were in town because we were all at the preseason game. They came to watch me play. Being Midwesterners, living in San Diego, people want to come out and visit. Sure. So they, came, they all came out for the game. Well, that next day on Sunday, um, they wanted to go do stuff. And I was like, listen, I'm... I just want to sit on the couch and veg and I've been in training camp. I've been there, you know, I'm just going right. to relax. Uh, so they did this like full day sea world, mm. whatever all day kind of thing. And uh, so they come walking back in and not, I mean, they didn't know. I no mean, idea. there wasn't like cell phones. It wasn't like any of that. So they had no, so in the meantime, while they were gone, I'd gotten called, mm. went in, had this tear jerk uh, moment with, no. with Bobby Ross I'm home just like melting down. Uh, they come walking in and like, oh, you know, and I'm laying on the couch. I'm like, okay, how do I just, how do I tell them this? Yeah. And, uh, and so of course my, my sister-in-law, the, the uh, young, younger sister of my wife, she's like, oh, so, you know, what have you been up to today? You know, did, uh, what time do you have practice tomorrow or, or something like that? Just making conversation. Right? Yeah. Sure. And I go, yeah, I don't, I don't have practice tomorrow. And Julie's like, what? And I go, yeah, I got cut. Oh. And it, it, sh- it should have just. Did they seen. think you were joking? Like, did they think it was like a you were pranking them, or did they? Well, at first they were like, what? and then they saw my face. Your face told it. And then mm. my my in laws and my sister in law, um, they like quietly walked out. Of, and this is a two bedroom apartment, yeah. <laughs> so there's not, very not far a, to go. There's not a whole lot of places to go. It only <laughs> took about ten feet to get to another room, and so then yeah, I was just oh. like, so what did we do the next day? 
we went to LA and went to Disneyland. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so they're like, they're oh, like, they're I, like, if you get cut, we're going to the happiest place on earth. I was going to say, gonna, it's there like you go. when, you, when you win the Super Bowl, when you get cut, what do you, what's the first uh, thing you're going to do? So well. that's, I've never told anybody that we went to Disneyland the next day oh. and, uh, um, I still thought about it all day, but oh, it, was, sure. it was, it was a good, dis- it was a good distraction to, sure. to go, you know, do something different after being, being cut. Heartbroken. Yeah. 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 All right. So <laughs> I know we're so almost much out of to cover. Time. We're almost, almost out, out of time. time. Are we almost out of time? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, we got it's based on my timer, we've got 10 minutes left. 10 minutes. All right. Do you ever get, um, do, do fans ever mistaken you for Gus Farad? Oh Yeah. I mean, I, do, I mean, do I ever mean, do people ever come say, "Oh, Trent Green, you're the guy who headbutted the wall"? Yes. Well, there, <laughs> th- yeah, there are people that say that, and then there's people that say, "Oh, you're the guy that got a chance because the guy headbutted the wall." And I was like, "Well, no. When he headbutted the wall, Jeff Hostetler went in. That was in the '97 season. Yeah. So Hostetler went in. Um, I said I didn't. I didn't start playing until '98. But I said I was on the team and I was part of that conversation right. with." what did he just do? And it was like, well, he headbutted the, you know, yeah. I'm like I said, I was kind of the coach at that time sure. as the third quarterback. And, you know, our routine was when the series ended, go, you know, I would go get the pictures cause it used to not be on a tablet. You'd go yeah. get the pictures. You come in, Norv and I would talk about it. Then we'd go get Gus and we'd mm-hmm. discuss it. And, you know, Norv and I look at the pictures, you know, and then Norv's like, Hey, go get Gus. And I went to get him and I came back and I was like, um, Evidently, he headbutted the wall, and the doctors are. With, he's, and I won't tell you what he said, but he was not happy about that. And, well, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So, so. I, I will admit that for years back, I mean, not recently, but mm-hmm. for years back in the day, because there was this carousel of quarterbacks that was playing in Washington at that time. You had yourself, you had Farrat, you had uh, Hostetler, you had Schuler. There might have been one other guy in that mix Brad, of all Brad, of that. Well, Brad Johnson, Johnson. came after oh, he came right. after me. Yeah, yeah. So like for whatever the reason, year before I, John Freeze. Who oh was yes, there, yes, yeah. There was a, there yes. was a lot there. Yeah, there were. A lot. And so for a long time, I confused <laughs> for you being the guy who had butted the wall. Oh, all right. Until you yeah. got to Kansas City, and I was like, oh, it was the other guy who yeah. did that. Yeah. So well, then that would be three concussions. Exactly. Only three. Yes. Uh, exactly. I remember seeing, and gosh, there's, oh, there's so much to get to, and I know you probably have some. Was there anybody? I just want to ask about kids. That's all. Okay. Well, well, g- yeah. Give me a second to I get know. through this. Then Gus and Norv didn't have a very good relationship, based on interviews that I've seen. Did you have a pretty good relationship with Norv? Oh, a great relationship with Norv. I, I, you know, uh, the only thing that I've been critical with him and told him is I said, you should have picked me as a starter way before right. you did. I go, right. I was on your team for four years. It took you, you know, it's like, right. um, but, you know, Schuler was a first round pick. Farrat uh, yeah. had a lot of success and signed. And, you know, he, he and Gus had a difference of opinion. Once Gus signed a, the, the bigger contract to, uh, to become the starter and they traded you know, traded Heath away. That's when those two started started getting into it a little bit. But I, I have a great relationship. I I think the world of Norv. I thank him. I've thanked him multiple times over the years when I've seen him. Um, the mental part of football. I give a lot of credit to Norv to uh, to Cam Cameron, who was my quarterback coach for two years uh, in Washington, and then uh, Mike Martz came in, was mm-hmm. my quarterback coach for my last two years in Washington before he and I left and and went to the Rams. Yeah. Uh, those guys really taught me more about the mental part of football, you know, how to game plan, how to study defenses, how to, I mean, cause like I said, I was kind of in a coach mode at that point sure. in time. So I spent a lot of time in the meeting rooms having discussions with those three guys. So yeah, I, 
I think the world of Norv. I yeah, I have a great relationship good, with good. him. Yeah. Well, because we got to fast forward through all the things I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> you eventually you end up in St. Louis, and yes. so I'm going to play a couple of clips for you, and I want to get your reaction to this. Okay. This is you have it where I'll this take a is drink going. Of water since I'm drinking, yeah, go ahead, take a drink okay. of water. Mm-hmm. You have a very, very, very close relationship with Dick Vermeil, and so this is the clip I'm going to I'm going to show where you actually get in, injured in the preseason game uh, by Rodney Harrison, and then you see the raw emotion of Dick Vermeil talking about uh, you being hurt and out for the year. Trent Green comes in here, the real hope for this offense. We've been talking about him all game and all preseason. After a strong start to the preseason, Vermeil's ability to inspire was put to the test. Now we got Trent Green down. We've got Trent Green down in the middle of the field. Players were devastated. When he got hurt, their, a lot of their hopes went with him. get emotional you know it hurts but uh that's that's what this business is all about that was one of the most impacting coaching reactions i have ever seen in in my 35 years in the national football league we are not going to use trent green as an excuse for losing we will rally around kurt warner and we'll play good football all right. So, what is your initial when? And you've seen that probably hundreds of times, and you've had several conversations with Dick uh, since then about that moment. But when you see that, and it's fresh on your heart, what's your reaction? Well, I, I think the thing that uh, comes to mind, you, and you guys saw it on that clip. Thank you so much for showing it again. Um, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wasn't wanting to show necessarily you getting know, hurt. What I'm I trying know, to show is how much Dick Vermeil hey, loves you. I even I even show, I even said something to Kurt. Because uh, the American Underdog, his movie, yeah. you know, that came out, uh, yeah. you know, they did all the actors doing everything. But if you remember that scene of the movie, was the actual clip of me getting hit. Oh, I was like, oh really? I was like, wait, Kurt, come on, man! <laughs> I was like, you couldn't find an actor that wanted to have his knee dove into. Um, right, exactly. So, uh, oh, yeah, shoot. but it, it's it's all it's it's all good. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing I the thing I think of there is uh, is my reaction. Um, uh, you know, when it happened, you saw me rolling around on the ground. You saw me kind of take my helmet off and, yeah. and throw it to the side. Uh, and then when I rolled back over, I, I put my hands on my on my face. And people asked, you know, like, what was going on in that moment? And I said, well, what was going on? It was, it was really kind of weird because instead of, you know, cussing like crazy and screaming and yelling and, you know, there wasn't a I didn't yell at all. Mm. I just, I rolled around cause I, I, I was in pain. I was in pain, but I took my hand, I took my hand, I took, once I took the helmet off, I just put my hands on my face. And really what was going through in that moment was I've been through so much to get to this point. Mm, yeah. And now, and I knew I was done. I mean, like I, I, all, all the stuff that people had told me over the years about, Oh, you feel the crunch, you feel the pop, you feel the tear, you feel the mm, burning mm, sensation. Mm. You feel, I'm like, I felt all of those. So I was like, I don't know what all's wrong in there, mm. but I messed up a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, it was really more reflecting back on, you know, this is not going to be how this ends. Mm-hmm. I, I just was like, even in that moment, I was like, mm-hmm. this is not the end of it. It took me, you know, well, it'd be the one year in San Diego, the one year out in, 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 uh, Canada, uh, and in Indiana. And then the four years in Washington. So six years, it took me to have my own team, like to be a starter and yeah. to be signed yeah. to a team and like, Hey, you're yeah. going to lead them in the off season. And, and I, during that whole time, I had kind of formulated a plan for how I wanted to lead, how I wanted 
to be a part of the offseason, how I wanted to communicate with players. You know, I just sat back and listened. I had, mm-hmm. as you said, I had Heath and mm-hmm. Heath and Gus, two younger guys. I had Jeff Hostetler, who was a guy that had won a Super Bowl and been a big free agent guy. And, you know, so I had all these people, all these resources, uh, Stan Humphreys and, and John Fries when my rookie year in, in San Diego. I mean, all these experiences I'd gone through. So I had a plan in place and that plan was working up until that point. Mm -hmm. uh, Because when I signed with St. Louis, we moved right away. I was there every day, all day. So before when I was in Washington, I was there all day, every day, Mm -hmm. stealing tapes and trying to do playing racquetball and doing all that stuff. Yeah. This was me trying to cultivate relationships. Yeah, and leading. I would play cards with the offensive linemen while we're in there playing cards. Like we get done with workouts, and I'd be like, hey, what are you guys doing? Well, we're going in here to play cards. Can I jump in? And I'd sit there and I'd play cards with the, with the starting offensive line. And I'd say, you know, you guys can ask me anything. I'm, I've been in this offense for, you know, my whole career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's new to St. Louis. So we would talk protections. We would talk, hey, what's Martz's philosophy? Well, you know, and it wasn't all football. We'd talk family stuff and all that sure, other stuff. But you're yeah. building rapport. But I just building those relationships. Yeah. And whether it be with the offensive guys, defensive guys, receivers, whatever that may be, that was an important part of it and something I had learned. So when that happened on the field, and and so that's that's what I think of, yeah. is at that moment, I still was like, this isn't it. This is, mm. this cannot be how this ends. And it, and I won't let this define me because I didn't want to be, you know, the Wally Pip story, right? Mm. Everybody knows the Wally Pip story from baseball. And I had a college coach that, uh, that always used to bring up Wally Pip anytime you get injured. Oh, you injured your ankle. Okay. Well, we'll never hear from you again. It's just, you're going to disappear. And, and, wow. uh, and so, um, and he did that with every player, not just, wow. I mean, it was, it was Still just, though, that, was, that was, yeah. Well, I mean, that was the motivation to not go to, to the not training room. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't be the guy that's oh, always I in see. the training room. Okay, that was, okay, it okay. was kind of a, you know, uh, a motivation thing that they okay. used. And so, uh, I just remember that all, all that I'm like, this yeah. is not going to be, you know, what defines me. I'm so, glad you were right. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. The, mm. the emotion that you feel though, when you see Dick Vermeil so heartbroken over your injury. You know, he and I have, uh, I didn't, I, I mean, I knew him, but I didn't know him all that well. We had only been together, you know, a handful of months. Uh, I knew I wanted to play for him during the free agency visit. I'll make this a really short story because I know we're going long. Uh, during the free agency visit, the the first night we were supposed to have dinner, he got in a car accident on the way. He was late to dinner. Oh. And none of us, all the other assistant, nobody knew where he was and ends up, he comes walking in late. He doesn't have a sport coat on because his sport coat had all been ripped up from the glass. Mm. And he walks in, they get him a sport coat. Um, we have the dinner. We're sitting there, you know, after we get done, they're doing coffee and desserts and that kind of thing. He rolls up his sleeve and starts like putting little shards of glass oh my gosh. In, in like a little dish at the table. And you and had I, no idea. Well, we knew he got an accident oh, because did. he was late. Oh, that's so, right. Okay. And he's never late to anything. Yeah. And, and, and so he came in, oh, I got in an accident. And I, and I guess the way it all worked is the lady, once he figured out everybody was okay, the lady, they were having a conversation and she's like, you know, please tell me you're not bringing Tony Banks back as quarterback next. <laughs> and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be at a dinner right now with Trent Green. And, and so he handed out like business cards to everybody, like took off that because he was only a few blocks away from the restaurant. Okay. Came down to the restaurant, and and so uh, he's told he's told that story, and uh, um, and I and I remember later telling my wife, I was like, I got to play for this guy. This yeah. guy right. just, you know, he's picking out glass at the table after. At least he waits till after we ate. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so you could tell that he was a player's coach, and that yes. he was huge heart, was all in emotionally. I mean, that's right. that's the thing. The guy wears his heart on his sleeve for sure. Yes, definitely. 
Definitely. All right, and, so- and now, and now, and he and I are, are great friends and, and I, I talk to him at least every two weeks. That's I mean, great. we're, you know, we had a great moment at the hall of fame and yeah. you know, he, he went in this past summer and sure. Would you say he was your favorite coach or is that something I, you can even pick? Because well, I'm sure I, there's different. Yeah. You know, I always say coach because, you know, we were together five years here, one year in, in St. Louis, six years, our relationship now. I mean, I had great relationships with Cam and with Mike Martz and with Norv Turner um, those are probably the four, you know, Al Saunders, I still keep in contact with our offensive coordinator here. And he was a receiver coach in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys I still, but I, the one I'm closest to would be coach for yeah. yeah. Okay. Two more things. I want to play one more clip. And then I want Jillian to ask you about the kids. This, I want to get your reaction after you hear this clip. This is, um, Steve, um, I'm forgetting his name, Kurt, like Warner. Kurt Warner. I almost yep. said Steve Warner, who was my <laughs> high school football coach. Um, Kurt Warner at his Hall of Fame speech. In the ultimate team game, I'm not much for singling guys out because all of you played a special role in my being here. But I would like to recognize one teammate who had a more profound impact on me than any other, Trent Green. You know, our paths crossed in the most incredible of ways. And I acknowledge you could easily be the one standing up here tonight. But the class that you showed while dealing with the toughest of situations is etched in my mind. Your willingness to share your football secrets so I could succeed was incredibly valuable. But the character you displayed and the way you modeled the definition of teammate was priceless. Those lessons followed me the rest of my career. Thanks for sharpening my character with your own. That's a pretty that cool, cool moment. That, that was, was a cool yeah. moment. Did you expect that? And did you go to the uh, to his induction into the Hall of Fame? Be- I mean, why why did you go? You well, felt- he invited me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he invited me, and uh, and you know, for years everybody tried. Uh, even that season, the '99 season, right? The media they wanted to make us. You know, they're they're like, oh, the division, right? It's like, okay, sure, let's get, yeah. let's get. Oh, he hates him, and he. As you you just have listened over the last hour that my story right mm-hmm. and i was like even though his story is a lot different i didn't work in a grocery store but i that's true went back and was hanging out for a year trying to figure out and i was you know watching tv hoping somebody would get hurt so i could get a chance and then i went yeah. to canada and he went to the arena league i mean yeah our stories are very similar similar yeah um Similar and different. I mean, sure, sure. you know, the story with he and Brenda and their kids and mm-hmm. their marriage and, and that, I mean, um, so there's similarities, but there's differences. And, and so I, I always, um, you know, I, I, I can't fault. I mean, he got an, he got an opportunity yeah. and he made the most of the opportunity. Yeah. And, and yeah, I can't, I can't fault well, my, for that. So yeah. we, we've remained friends over the years. We, you know, our, our kids are similar ages. We've had conversations. He and I were together for Coach for Meals uh, mm-hmm. induction. Mm-hmm. Um, a cool thing that Coach did is when he put his gold jacket on, he had Carol, his wife, put the gold jacket on him. But he got clearance from the Hall of Fame to have Ron Jaworski, myself, and Kurt all up on stage with him when he got the jacket. Oh, that is he so wanted, cool. he wanted his three quarterbacks up there with him. Wow. And the, the NFL had never allowed that before. And so they're like, well, we've never done that before. And he's like, well, uh, what's wrong with being the first? Yeah, so I'm going to, sure. you know, so, uh, so Kurt and I got to spend some, some great time this summer at, uh, at coaches induction. So, um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what he's done and, and yeah. how he's kind of, hmm. you know, moved on um, from his playing career and what he's doing now with the NFL Network. And he, he works with Kevin on Westwood One, yep. does the Monday yep. night game. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I have... Please know that by me playing that clip, I wasn't trying to get you to talk about any sort of division. You wanted, you wanted me, you wanted tears on, on this podcast. You wanted I did. I mean, that's why it. we run cameras, buddy. No, but yeah. seriously, I just, it, I, you know, I was trying to prep for just, this last it, night. And when I came across that clip and I knew about that clip, but I was trying to find it. And, yeah. and I, I just thought that is such a cool moment. Well, and I and wanted it, to and get your was. raw reaction to seeing it again. And it, and it, and it was because of his entire career. Uh, Hall of Fame career, yeah. the number of players he played with, the Hall of Fame players he played with, the Hall of Fame coaches that he was with, yeah. uh, and I was the only one that he individually said mm-hmm. by name, mm-hmm. other than his family members and stuff sure, like that. But, sure. um, so, yes, that I mean, that that meant a lot, and I've told him that. I've, I've had those conversations yeah. with him. I just, you know, it, it meant a lot. And, and um, for him to take his moment and sig- single me out during mm-hmm. his moment, uh, it does. It, mean, it means a lot. And, well, and it, Deserve too, because that you were a person of such, you are a person of such high character, you know, anybody, there's a lot of people that don't conduct themselves in the way that you did. And, you know, and Alex Smith is another one that I hear frequently with how he conducted himself when Patrick Mahomes was, you know, drafted. And, and I have so much respect for people in the league when it's such a money game. It's such a, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, cutthroat game, yes. you know, uh-huh. and, and you could have as easily not conducted yourself that way and you did, and you should be recognized for that. And so that's really the reason that I wanted to play well, that clip. You. So, yeah, you know, my, my thing is, is you, you don't have control over what the coaches are going to say or what the GM's going to say or what the owner is going to say is the decision based on money is the decision. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's better to have those good relationships, support one another, lift each other up and, somebody else is making the decision. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so I always, I can honestly say in my 15 years in the league that we had a great quarterback room in all of those different stops because there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of backstabbing or any backstabbing. It was like, Hey, what can we do to make this room better? And then mm-hmm. whoever's playing is going to get the support of everybody. And, and I think that's what comes into play with Alex and, yeah. and with Patrick when, you know, when he was backing Alex up that first year. So, yeah. But thank you for saying so. Yeah, well, I'm going to let the, the last question go to Jillian. But just so everybody knows, I wanted to talk about Rodney Harrison and that injury <laughs> and maybe any conversations that took place after that. I wanted to talk about your relationship with Carl, Jared Allen, who was a great friend of us at Q104, okay, yeah. Mark Richter, who's a, who's been on this podcast right. and is a great friend right. of us at Q104. And you threw the 99-yard pass. You're one of, what, 13 quarterbacks, I think, all time that's yeah. ever thrown a 99-yard. It's, it's just one that it's one of the – I think Patrick's broken every. He hasn't broken that one yet. Every other record, but that's that's one I could hang my hat on that it won't be broken. Yeah. yeah. Tony Gonzalez obviously was a huge part of your success. Mm -hmm. Any Kedison, Dante Hall. I mean, there's so many people that I want to. Priest Holmes, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah! Don't that, forget all those uh, all those studs in front of me too. Two oh, Hall, two Hall of Famers, Willie Rofe and, and Willie Will, Rofe, Shields. Will Shields. Oh uh, my gosh, Brian Waters, the Chiefs Hall of Fame. Casey yes. Wigman should be and will be hopefully. Yes, one day you've uh, lived a hell of a life, bro. John John Tate, um, who oh, I wish yes, I wish Tate. we could have played with more. Yeah, um, he was just there for a couple years uh, that, that played with us, but um, you know got got an incredible opportunity and, and payday up in Chicago. Yep. So you yep. know, happy for him, but. Yeah, those, I swear by those guys. So yeah, my whole my whole everybody talks about memorabilia. 
Uh, I have like one little wall that has some stuff on. I have Junior Seau there. I have Cal Ripken there. Oh, that's cool. I have Muhammad Ali on there. Um, uh, George Brett was was nice enough to sign something. So I so I have like like this one wall that that I have some stuff on. But everything else is like my teammates. It's you Aww. know me and my teammates. So I have all the jerseys of the different uh, different guys that were in the huddle with me, and because that mean you know yeah we go down the to, family to uh, you know play pool or ping pong or that's whatever so down cool. in the basement. It's like you know. Surrounded by my guys, so right. Yeah. I well, um, I know we're going to talk about the kids. Yep. I, I was telling you as you came into the door, you're. Uh, we have mutual friends in the Kraft family. Uh, yep. Brian Kraft, who with Midwest Land Group, his son Clay is good friends with your son Derek, and yes. of course Clay. Yeah. Did Derek play? Uh, where's Where's he going to school? Where did he go to school? He went to SMU. SMU. Yeah, he played All right. SMU. All right. Yep. So he's not a KU guy then. No, no, no. All no, right, no. but no. Clay is definitely a KU. I'm far from being a KU guy, but I will remind everybody that KU is no longer playing in the NCAA basketball. <laughs> oh tournament in Kansas State is still alive. I was like, why is he bringing all this up? Oh, he's going back to K-State still being in I brought it up because I told Clay that I would drop his name on the podcast. And so that's how we got there. So He's going to love that you dropped it in that manner. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about reading through everything that we had in an exchange, but it's probably not appropriate to do that. Um, Hmm. But You didn't uh, didn't bring up the fact that Brian and and Clay and I, I think won the golf tournament, the Heartland Premier Golf Tournament. You guys played right behind us. We were the group behind you and, yes. and I think our score was significantly better than yours. Much, much. <laughs> I mean, I was the only one carrying my team. I, I had a couple uh, and, and we joking. would we, we have to then mention that you do have a golf tournament coming up. I do. Yes. Yes. I hate yes. to yes. not yes. bring no, that no, up yep. since you bring yep. up golf. So uh, June 5th, uh, Ronald McDonald House Charities of Kansas mm, City. Good stuff. I've uh, been partnered with them for, I guess this is probably the 12th or 13th year that we've been partnered together. I had, I had my own tournament when I was playing and yep. my wife and I have been involved with Ronald McDonald House Charities since back in the Washington days. So oh, wow. for, you know, 30 plus years and, and, uh, it's a great organization, do a lot of good. And so, um, yeah, if you want to help support it, rmhckc.org. Is that it's typically like that. around the same time every year that you have that? It's tournament? always the first Monday of June. Yeah. There you go. So, All right. Are you going to be playing in the Heartland Premier Golf Classic on June sixteenth? So. I hope so. June sixteenth. Okay. It's going to be at Adams Dairy um, Golf Course there in uh, Green Valley. And so, is that Green Valley or Blue Springs? Maybe that's mm, considerable. It's, I think Blue it's, Springs, it's that's the tweener that yeah. Adams Dairy line, Road. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Heartland Premier will so, be on the seventeenth. Yeah. We had a good time for having me. All, there. For me, it all works on my my world now. And I know you're going to get to the is the volleyball world. So my, oh, my yeah. daughter is. Uh, well, let's get into it. Yeah. Talk about yeah, the kids. I just I the last time you. I talked to you. We talked kids and where they were yeah. and what they were doing. And so, you know, that's just what a mom wants to know. Is- All right. Uh, so our oldest, uh, TJ, uh, he went to Northwestern, graduated. Uh, he's now working in Chicago, living in Chicago. Uh, loves the whole, you know, he's at that age. He's 25. Mm-hmm. He likes the big city, living in the city, you know, just uh, loving it all. So Love really, it. really proud of him. Yep. Um, he ended up with an undergrad and two master's degrees. Wow. And, well, because of, you know, he, he ended up having a medical year. Okay. He redshirted and then he had a medical year. He had a bad, really bad foot injury at, Nor- at Northwestern and was able to come back and uh, really had a seventh year if he wanted the COVID year. Yep. And he's like, dad, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, he's like, I'm so much older I'm than done. everybody in the locker room. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, uh, but like I said, he, he kept getting, I'm like, you know, you can relax. And he's like, well, they're, you know, at this point in time, he, he was there as a walk-on, then earned a scholarship. And so he's like, well, if they're going to keep paying for it, I'll just keep getting degrees. So um, wow. he's, he's doing well. Um, 
and uh, yeah, we 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 get to see him quite a bit being in Chicago. Uh, Derek, on the other hand, went to SMU, did undergrad there, ended up doing grad school out at Long Island University. Wow! To continue playing and to work on his MBA, and then had an opportunity. Had an opportunity. <laughs> I'm laughing because I yeah. Still, why are you laughing? Well, uh, the the owner of an Italian football league team called him and said, do you want to come over here and play on my team? And what? I know. So he's living <laughs> He's living in Bologna, Italy. Oh, my God. Playing for the, uh, what is, I, I got to make sure I, I say it right, the Warriors. It used to be the Bologna Warriors, but now it's um, they've combined some teams. And Okay. So anyway, he's he's had two games so far this year. He's playing. He's having fun. He's living in Italy. He, he, wow. uh, he's going to, what live. position does he play? He's, he's a quarterback, quarterback also. also. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, he'll, he's, so he's like, what do you guys think? And my wife and I are both like, go, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's 23, uh, him. doesn't have a serious girlfriend. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, you can always come back and get your MBA. If you want to get your sure. MBA, you can always come back and work six months living in Italy and, then, it. and then you can figure it out from there. Yeah. It's like, this is an opportunity that, uh, I've never been to Italy. So at some point in time, we're going. Mm. Um, uh, none of our other kids have been, so we're just yeah. like, uh, mm. yeah. So anyway, and then uh, and then it's volleyball, and then volleyball. That's your then, life yeah, she's uh, um, Janelle is seventeen now. She's a junior at Blue Valley North. Uh, they won state a couple years ago. They they went to state last year. Uh, her club team is doing really well, and uh, she committed to University of Cincinnati last summer. Nice. Um, so she's going to be the setter there, and. Uh, yeah, I've already told Travis Kelsey, you know, um, <laughs> you know, you've got a, got another Bearcat on your hands. And so, I like uh, it. That's cool. yeah, so he, he's all pumped for her. And, and, uh, so yeah, so yeah, I, I have, I have no complaints. And it's, Julie's it's, good. She is. I've yes. gotten to meet her a couple of times and she's just. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we've got a, uh, you know what, there's going to be an event, um, before the draft. Uh, down at Power and Light. Okay. Uh, if you guys haven't heard, Lainey Wilson's going to be performing. I did hear that. I didn't hear that before the draft. So, uh, we're going to kind of tie it together. Ronald McDonald House Charities is going to do a uh, an event down there prior to the concert. Okay. Uh, that uh, we're hoping to do as a fundraiser, and I'm going to get you know some of the some of either the current players and former players because they're all going to be there for the NFL draft. Sure. Have come in, talk maybe a little little football talk, uh, and then and and then. And Lainey Wilson can't, yeah. can't oh, go wrong with no, that. No, that's going mean, to be amazing. I know. It'll I'm, be a I'm packed a house for I know, sure. I was like, they're like, hey, could you come and see this event? And, and then I'm like, wait. And and then and stay then and the watch Lainey, Lainey Wilson. I'm like, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we're, we're looking forward to that. The draft's coming to Kansas City. So Kansas City is like NFL Central, right? You yeah. know, they have AFC Championship game. Now you got the Super yeah. Bowl champions in the parade. You got the draft coming up. Uh, and then next season, the, you know, the opener has to be in the defending mm-hmm. Super Bowl champions home. So yeah. uh, we'll have that. So, yeah, this is this is NFL Central. So a lot going on around Kansas City, a lot going on with my family. Thanks for asking. And uh, just enjoy, enjoyed being on here with you. I'm guys. thrilled and, and super honored that you took the time out for, with everything that you got going on in your life to drive all the way out here to RP Enterprises Global. <laughs> headquarters yes i was wondering be, i'm gonna be honest yeah. i haven't been out this way yeah and it's great yeah. thank you i love it thank you thank I you like, can yeah. i go any further oh yes you can <laughs> trust me i live even further so yes, i kept you can. checking the gp i'm like am i am i going the right way and i didn't tell you you get a gift for being here oh so. shoot yes i gotta yeah. bring up that copy okay yes yeah, so as you might have uh remember when we started the uh, show i talked about uh brown piercy cattle company here yeah. we go 
I don't have my glasses on, so I'm probably going to screw this all up. Uh, Brown Piercing Basically Cattle Company. Yeah, we're going to give you a, a gift box of four premium thick cut steaks, four of their famous steak burgers, and two family size roasts, and four pounds of 93% lean ground beef from Brown Piercing Cattle Company at brownpiercycattle.com. So, I love that. I so love it wasn't that. all yeah. for nothing. It yeah. wasn't all for so nothing. Good. But you get no, hit that's... up all the time to do these podcasts and all of these different things. And the fact that you took the time out to be a part of what we're trying to build here means the world. Thank you so much. And we yes, would love to have you, you back sometime, anytime. We would love to have you back. That'd be great. So, Always great catching right. up. So much fun to have former Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Trent Green on episode 33 of the Papa Ron Podcast. For Jillian Greg, Trent Green, I'm Ronnie Phillips. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe now on the podcast platform. Follow the Papa Ron Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And while you're there, like, comment, and share. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. The Papa Ron Podcast. The Papa Ron Podcast.